Today we're in Revelation chapter 18. If you have a Bible, let's turn there. And let me read to you what Pastor Chuck Smith said about this section. He, he says, in the previous chapter, uh, Revelation 17, we watched as God destroyed the religious establishment. In this chapter, we read of his destruction of the economic establishment. Today, commercial interests control the world. They are the power brokers. They put politicians into office and they sit in their comfort, never imagining they will have to pay for their abuse of power. But God will destroy them in a day. Now, we often say about material things, it's all going to burn someday. Well, this will be the day when it all burns. And so we're going to see Revelation 18 is a, is a crazy chapter, and it's amazing. Basically, let me tell you something in a nutshell. And I, you know, there's going to be things that I share today that are maybe are speculation, but it, just to kind of get the wheels turning, you guys, uh, when the Antichrist rises up, he will have a headquarters. It makes sense, right? As a matter of fact, when Jesus spoke to the church of Pergamos, he said, I know where you guys are. He talked about a place where Satan's throne is. And so when the Antichrist rises up, of course he's going to have a headquarters. I'm of the opinion, and I could be wrong. So I, I want you guys to tell, I want to tell you this. This is pure speculation. But I have a hunch that his headquarters is probably going to be in Babylon. Now, remember I told you last week, okay, that the Bible in one sense is a tale of two cities. Jerusalem and Babylon. Now, there were many who thought Jerusalem was done, that it wasn't a literal thing, that it was just a figurative thing. But over the ages, we have seen the fight for Jerusalem. And then in 1967, uh, Jerusalem was then uh, restored uh, to the Jews. And such an amazing work that we have there. So Jerusalem is literal. And the second most repeated city in the Bible is Babylon. Now, Babylon, we know, started way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 10 and chapter 11, when Nimrod tried to rebuild Babylon, remember, to reach the heavens, to build Babylon. And so it became representative throughout the Bible of uh, false religion, but also it becomes representative of just this world system that we have that is so rooted in money and materialism. And so it all works together. Um, something interesting, and we've seen it over the years. Uh, this is called Babylon the Great. We're going to see Babylon the Great. Why is it Babylon the Great? What's so good about it? Well, it's just because it ends up becoming, you know, this amazing city, successful in the eyes of the world. So I was thinking about Alexander the Great. Why is Alexander the Great called Alexander the Great? And you guys know it's because of his military conquest and how he did it so swiftly. But I think it was at the age of 32. He was very young. He died. Don't really know exactly how he died, but you want to know where he died? He died in Babylon. He died in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar II. And so you just start looking at history. Um, for example, Saddam Hussein, you guys remember that guy, um, he started rebuilding Babylon, and he started, it was a crazy thing. He believed that he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. Not only, not just the descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, but the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. And he spent millions of dollars rebuilding Babylon. And, uh, and it's interesting because Saddam Hussein 
had this mentality. He said, if I can just make this huge Arab world, then I can, you know, restore. It was an Islamic thing. It was, a, it was, at the end of the day, it was a devil thing. Because as we're, as we're learning, you guys, the, the enemy, the, the devil, he's the antichrist. He's the antithesis to Christ. Christ's city is Jerusalem. The devil's city is Babylon. It always has been. What city, what nation conquered Jerusalem? It was Babylon. So anyways, here's what happens. Saddam Hussein says, I'm going to spread out my, my territory. And what does he do? He invades Iran. He didn't know the, how strong they were. And he was not able to win that war. And so what ended up happening was his, you know, his movement, it, it ended. But, but, but the mentality that the devil put into Saddam Hussein's mind is there. It's the enemy. It's not Saddam Hussein. It's the enemy. So here's what's going to happen uh, maybe in the last days, okay? Who conquered Babylon? The Persians. Medo-Persia did. Who's that nowadays? It's Iran. And so what very likely might happen, again, we don't know, but man, you start looking at the news and there's a lot of a lot of fulfilled prophecy happening today in Iran. Their alliance with Russia, the whole connection with Ezekiel chapter 38. So what might happen, and again, we can't be dogmatic about this. We don't know where the city is. We don't even know for sure if it's a literal city, but it sure seems like it is, is that just like uh, 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 the Persians conquered Babylon back then, more than likely, Iran is going to sweep over into this area of Iraq, who is so weak now, and the devil will get what he's always wanted. He will rebuild this city of Babylon, and what we're going to see is that will become the headquarters in so many ways, and more than likely, what we're reading about here in Revelation chapter 18 is literal, it's actual, and one day, all the commerce will go out from this. I mean, this is the headquarters where, remember, everyone gets the, be the mark of the beast, and it's from there. They buy and they sell. It's all connected. But then one day, and it's more towards the end of the tribulation period, where it's all, it's all destroyed by God. And so God is telling us this for two reasons. Number one, uh, well, actually for three. For us as Christians, it's good to know the future of what's going to happen uh, secondly, we got to make sure we come out of Babylon, that we don't live in anywhere near the whole world of money and mammon and materialism. And then number three, it's going to be for those who are here during the tribulation period that they're going to have to be aware of this. Hopefully they'll have Bibles or they'll have heard it somewhere along the line where they understand Revelation uh, chapter 18. And so, uh, again, uh, you guys can maybe think I'm weird, but, man, the more I studied it, the more I researched it, I was like, Lord, I think this is what's going to go down. So we'll see. Uh, we won't be here. Remember, we're going to get raptured before that happens. But look what we read here in Revelation chapter 18. It says, After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And so John uh, sees an angel. Now, Revelation 17 is probably fulfilled in the middle of the tribulation period where religious Babylon is destroyed. 
Revelation 18 is going to probably take place more towards the end. Not the very end, but towards the end. And so after these things, Medetauta, John says, I saw another angel. He came down with great authority, and his illumination, the earth was illuminated with his glory. And so why is this angel glowing so much? Because he's coming out from the presence of God. And, and we know, even as we read about Moses in the Bible, how when he went into the presence of God, he came out just glowing. Remember that? We read it in Exodus 34, 29 through 35, that his face glowed so much that it freaked the people out. And so he had to wear a veil over his face. And so this angel comes down, it illuminates the earth with his glory, Verse 2, it says, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And, and, and we're going to see this city, the, everybody thinks it's, it's, it's great. And in those days, they're going to think it's great. All the money, all the mammon, all the materialism, all the big bucks of Babylon, it will all fall, we believe, towards the end of the tribulation period. Here it's described as a dwelling place, the dominion of demons, the foul spirits which the unclean and hated birds probably symbolize. And so it's interesting as they, as they fall, Babylon the Great becomes almost like a prison a cage for demons. Now that's interesting because what that probably insinuates is prior to their fall, these demons were free. They, they were out there, right? They roamed free. But in one sense, now their imprisonment begins. Their wings are clipped. The cage is locked. And what God is saying, and you guys have seen it basically as we've gone through the book of Revelation, yeah, there's a lot of evil going on right now. But justice will be served and evil will be eradicated and judged by Jesus. You, you wonder, well, why did they fall? Well, look at, at verse 3. It says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I know this is weird. I just want to let's throw things out at you guys today, okay? Um, but when I was when we're looking at the list of items that are available uh, through Babylon, you know what I thought of? I thought of Amazon. <laughs> and, and again, I don't want you guys to think I'm weird or misunderstand or misquote me. I'm not saying this is a prophecy about the destruction of Seattle, Washington, which is the headquarters of Amazon. I'm just saying that. It's kind of like that concept of the place where all the sales are taking place, where all the politicians are getting rich, where the merchants are wealthy because of the fact that all of this, it becomes their God, their master passion in life. What ends up happening is in God's eyes, it's spiritual fornication. And this is why this place is judged. He says, hey, this angel comes down. And uh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, Babylon, he declares, is fallen, is fallen. And then he says, why? And this is why. 
because this whole world system that is rooted in materialism and wealth and intoxication and you know, fornication in that sense, it, 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 it's, it's worthy to be judged. You know, God says that commercial Babylon will be judged. Remember, Revelation 17 is religious Babylon. Revelation 18 is commercial Babylon. And so you know what he does? He warns us. He warns the Christians. Look what it says in verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. You know, God uh, says, come out. It's another voice now. First voice was the voice of the angel, but this voice is another voice, and we know for sure it's the voice of God because he says, it's my people. Come out, my people. So now God is saying, come out. You know, it's interesting because I think sometimes we forget the very word church, ecclesia, means come out. Get out of there. Get out of that world. Get out of that system. Get out of that worldly mentality. Come out. That's what God is saying right here. That's the whole purpose of the church. You know, Babylon is going to burn, and for that reason, the warning is issued here, we see in verse 4. It reminds me of the warning in 2 Corinthians six seventeen. It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not even touch what is unclean, the Lord says, and I will receive you. You know, you guys got to admit, it's very easy to get sucked into the world and the the things and the rings and the blings and the latest and the greatest to where it consumes us even as Christians. You know, God says, I want you to serve me. God says, I want you to know me, but we're too busy. We are caught up in this world. You got to be careful as Christians even. You know, the Bible says don't love the world. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. The Bible says don't be spotted by this world. The Bible says don't be friends with this world. John chapter 17, Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. But a lot of times you can't tell the difference because a lot of times even Christians are not in any way separate or holy. So if we're all in the world in such a way, in one sense, would it be a surprise that, that they would be judged with the world in one sense? And again, doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to go to heaven, but you're going to experience unnecessary heartache. And some do actually fall away. You know, in this calling to come out as Christians from commercial Babylon, I, I would encourage you guys, myself included, to take some time and maybe read 1 Timothy chapter 6 if you have time. And in that chapter, you guys will see, it's not a sin to be rich. It's not, okay? And compared to the rest of the world, we're rich. Okay, it's not a sin to be rich. But just because God gives you more money doesn't mean that you have to raise your standard of living. Remember I told you guys a million times, I think that we have to check with God, be a good steward, and maybe raise our standard of giving rather than living. There's so many poor people. And we have, you know, 107 pairs of shoes and 17 jackets. And again, that's between you and the Lord. I'm not saying, I don't want to judge you. I can't do that. But I, I got convicted. I was like, Lord, with, with all this that you give to me, how much of it am I giving back to you? How much of it am I giving to people 
maybe who really need it. You know, because the Lord says, come out of that mentality. Come out of Babylon. Come out of materialism. You know, a lot of people will say in the prophecy buffs, they're all big into globalism, globalism. Yeah, globalism is a sign of the last days, but you want to know something else? Materialism is too. And they're all caught up in this stuff. This is what we see here in Revelation chapter 18, that one day it's all going to burn. You know, 1 Timothy 6.18, it says, when it talks about rich people, it says, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Come out of Babylon, God says. David Guzik said this, "It's it's inconceivable that a child of God could be a part of religious Babylon, though elements may creep in, But commercial Babylon, with its materialistic lure, uh, is a constant threat to be guarded against. The warning is focused towards saints who are in the position Lot was in while he lived in the city of Sodom, Genesis 19. These are God's people in a place they shouldn't be, a place ripe for destruction. And so we need to be so careful that we don't love the world. 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I remember before I was a Christian, I heard that song by Pink Floyd. It's called Money. And so you know how you can do it on iTunes. You can look up any song. I was listening to it leather. I think it was last night. I'm like, whoa, that song says it right there, man. I mean, it's just money. Um, It's the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, because some people misquote the Bible. But money will mess you up in your service and in your relationship to Jesus Christ. And so the Lord says, come out of there, you know? I mean, can you think of anybody in the Bible who got messed up by money? Balaam, homeboy, was a great prophet. Amazing how God spoke through him, but he was slain because of money. Achan, remember Achan in in Joshua chapter 7? He just took a little bit. It didn't belong to him, but he hid it under his tent. And so what ended up happening? The whole nation got defeated because of him, but his sin was found out. And eventually what happened is he was killed with his family I mean, you think of Gehazi. Remember Gehazi? He was a servant of Elijah. Imagine what an awesome privilege that must have been. But one day he wanted the clothes and he wanted the the gold. And, you know, he went behind Elijah's back and the leprosy then went to Gehazi. I mean, you can think of many people in the Bible where money messed them up. What about Judas? Imagine that. You know, living life with love incarnate, living in the ministry of Jesus Christ. But because he didn't get his political thing right here, right now, uh, he wanted Jesus to overthrow Rome. Well, that wasn't Jesus' agenda. And so what does he do? He sells Jesus out for some, some silver. And then, you know, you read throughout the Bible. I would think of that one guy, Demas. He was a faithful servant of Paul the Apostle. But eventually, he lost his calling and he lost his ministry. And who knows what else he lost? Because the Bible says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So it's a warning for us. There's a lot of different temptations for us. I know for guys, they say it's the, it's the girls. 
It's the glory and it's the gold. And I bet you that temptation is for, for women as well. They, you, you guys, let's, not, let's just say, hey, this is God's money. I'm going to come out of Babylon, and I'm going to be a good steward of it. I'm going to be generous with it. I'm going to be wise with it because this is the Lord's. The Lord says, come out. Come out of her lest you share, with her, share in her sins unless you receive her plagues. Globalism, globalism, yeah, I, I don't like globalism. But what about materialism? You got the latest and the greatest and all that kind of stuff. Be careful, guys. You know, what a difference between, you know, what happens here and the iniquities of Babylon and what the Lord wants us to experience in life. You know, it's interesting, real quick, before we leave this verse, look at verse 5 again. Speaking of Babylon, it says, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, so her, her sins have reached to heaven. Doesn't that remind you of the Tower of Babel when they were kind of trying to reach to heaven? God says, okay, now I notice what's going on here. And then the Lord says, I remembered their iniquities. But isn't it cool that as a Christian, he doesn't remember our iniquities? The Bible says that when we are part of the new covenant, it, the Lord says in Jeremiah 31, 34, and also in Hebrews 8, 12, and also in Hebrews 10, 17, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's why if you're not a Christian, and my prayer is that you would, you would give your life to Jesus Christ because I want you to know whoever you are, it doesn't matter what your sin is. The blood of Jesus Christ will wash it away. And all the things that you'll ever do, past, present, and future, they'll be dropped into the ocean of God's forgetfulness. The Bible says he'll take your sins and he'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. He'll put them behind his back. He will remember them no more. That's a difference between those who live in Jerusalem and those who live in Babylon. And so we read Babylon and the non-believer, on the other hand, they will receive justice. Because look what we read next in verse 6. It says, render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously. In the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I'm no, I'm no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now again, this Babylon is going to be the headquarters of the Antichrist who is possessed by the devil, and it will be responsible for the blood of innumerable believers. And, and whenever anyone persecutes Christians, they persecute Christ. And so now it's time, it says there in verse 6, to render to her just as she rendered to you. Eventually, there'll be justice. It'll be payback time. And as a matter of fact, the judgment will be double. It will be executed severely. And another thing we, we read right here is it will be executed swiftly. 
You know, and then people you know, are like that. Leaders are like that. Um, you, know, you know, people are going to look at this city and they're just going to think, man, that, that could never fall down. And that's what she was thinking. You know, Babylon, this whole concept, this city, this demon, this devil. Uh, you know, I'll never fall. You know, let, we look at the world today. Some people are, are doubters. Oh, it'll just keep going forever. No way. It's going to fall. Famine, mourning, fire, how can it be? Because strong is the Lord who judges her. You know, David Guzik said this, the ancient Greek word for render, it literally means to pay a debt or to give back that which is due. God will give Babylon exactly what she deserves. Double restitution was required in the Old Testament in cases of theft, according to Exodus 22, 4 through 9. This perhaps is a commentary on how Babylon has made her wealth. And so it'll happen, it's interesting, not only in one day, but we're gonna read later in verse 10 and 17, it's gonna happen in one hour. And so it's crazy. David Jeremiah said this, the Greek word translated fallen, it describes an instantaneous action, and God will destroy the city decisively in the course of one hour. And, and so I personally believe that more than likely, because it all kind of lines up with prophecy that literally Babylon will be rebuilt. Um, but there are others who have different opinions. Some say it's New York. Uh, some will even mention cities like Beijing or Los Angeles, Rome. Uh, some have that view. I don't know for sure, but I do know it's going to happen and it's going to happen hard. You know, we don't know for certain, but somehow the judgment is connected to a place where all this money-making and materialism is mainstream in that day. And so the world will see it, and, you know, they're going to weep. And, and I don't want to sound weird or anything, you guys, but when you read this chapter right here, everybody's watching it burn. Everybody is watching it burn. And it reminded me, my heart broke, thinking even of the, the twin towers that fell on 9-11. You know, it's not, you know, it's going to be something like that. It's going to be crazy. Look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, your judgment has come. You know, again, when we saw what we saw uh, on 9-11, this is that on steroids. Along, another thing I'm thinking, and you're just trying to connect the different concepts together, like the plunging or the falling of Wall Street. I mean, that's why everybody is just weeping. I think when you read this at face value, you know it's literal. And over and over again, we see those words about the kings of the earth, the leaders who made money, their God, and lived in luxury. You know, and that's where I think, um, where I was asking the Lord, well, Lord, um, where do you draw the line? Like, when is enough enough for me? Like, how many shirts do I need to have? I don't know if you guys noticed, I wore this shirt last month, and I was thinking, Lord, is that okay? You know, you're supposed to have a new shirt every day, right? I mean, no, I'm just joking. I don't know, you know, but man, we have to be so careful with stuff like that. Here we see the word luxury in verse 3, luxuriously in verse 7, luxuriously in verse 9. 
I guess in one sense, that's kind of where maybe the Lord will show us. Like, again, I'm not saying you can't have a nice dinner, a fancy dinner one day, or I'm not saying that you can't have a, a, some nice piece of jewelry. Some of these guys you read in the scriptures, they're very rich. But I would say at the end of the day, it just has to be something where you are obedient and we are not extravagant. We don't live luxuriously. Uh, we just live uh, as the Lord would lead us. And so God will give you guys the wisdom and the balance and all those things. But I will say this, um, man, make sure, I, I would encourage you, find genuine needs. You know, you don't give to people who, who won't work, but maybe give to people who can't work, people who are, are honest. You know, I heard a really cool story the other day. I hope it's okay to share, but one of the brothers here, you know, he's been through a lot. He's a dear brother, um, and he comes in on a wheelchair. You know, his testimony is amazing. Uh, this young man was shot and then, you know, paralyzed, so he could no longer walk, and so he would go to the hospital, and he met a young lady who also had been shot, and uh, man, you know, they ended up getting married. I guess they have that in common, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and it's just been so cool. I, I know them a little bit to see how faithful they are. And uh, they live, you know, with meager funds. And so they're in the store the other day, and they were going to buy, what was it? I think it was a washing machine, a stove. Okay. And while they're there, someone comes up to him and says, I want to buy that for you. I want to buy that store for you. I think it was like a $1,400 stove, something like that. And he's like, no, no. And I know this guy. He, I could tell he really meant no. You know, when some people say no, they really mean yes. Well, he, was, he really meant it. No. And she just was one of those strong people. Because sometimes you got to be strong in situations like that. And she said, no, I'm buying this for you. And all I could say, I don't know who this lady was. But she had discernment. Because there is a genuine need. And, and that's what I'm praying God will show us. Because otherwise we end up, I think, living in Babylon. And you don't want to be there, man. Because everything will suffer. Your family will suffer. You will suffer. Your calling will suffer. Because we can't serve God and mammon. It's impossible. And so, you know, we read that here. Everybody's standing and watching at a distance because they're afraid and, and, you know, how does it happen? Because the Lord is strong. What's the real reason for their tears? I think it's here in verse 11. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Here it is. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. That's probably the real reason they're weeping. Merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk, and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oil, and frankincense, wine, and oil, fine flour, and wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and bodies, and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. And, and 
Why, why do they weep? They, they really weep because of the loss of their sales, number one. Number two, they weep at, at the loss of the things that are now available, the stuff and the souls that they longed for. And it's just an awful statement. What ended up happening, I think what can happen is the luxuries become necessities. When in all reality, if you think about it, we could probably live without that. You know, it was all there, everything you can imagine, so many items. Uh, in this chapter, there are 23 commodities that are mentioned. Um, like I was talking about in Amazon, I don't know if you guys knew this, but when you add up Amazon Marketplace sellers, there's 350 million products available. So Seattle, if you live in Seattle, Washington, I would move if I were you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but think about it. You know, you're like, oh, they got to have it on Amazon, right? I mean, it just breaks your heart to see what was for sale there at the end of verse 13, the bodies and souls of men and women. And when you, you know, uh, see this is the enemy uh, doing his thing, when an individual or when a nation or when a world loses the sanctity of life, then you dehumanize and you itemize men and women who are created in the image of God. And we're talking about things like slavery or human trafficking, prostitution, pornography. Even today, human trafficking alone has over 40 million victims globally. And California, by the way, has the highest human trafficking rates in the United States of America. And then there's the porn industry. Estimates vary, but even the figures could reach up to $97 billion in that industry because most of what's going on is privately held. And, you know, in case you guys didn't know, L.A. County is where 60 to 70% of American porn films are shot. And so you just, you just see this, this isn't even like full scale yet. When the enemy takes over, when the devil has his way, when the restrainer is gone, when the church, which is the, the salt and the preservative of this world, when it's taken out, I mean, yeah, slavery, yes, uh, all that, human trafficking, all that. I mean, this is going to be insane. You know, it's not slowing down. And what we see now is that God is just saying, these are the signs of the times. You know, the monarchs, the merchants, and the mariners even. Look at verse 15. The merchants of these things who become rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ships, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, they stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. And so the, the monarchs, the merchants, the mariners, uh, since there's still like this ability to sail, we know that this has to take place before the second and sixth bold judgments. 
But it's interesting, again, like I'm saying, and a lot of commentators will agree, that when there's a literal Babylon rebuilt, it'll be there at the Euphrates River. And so it's interesting to me when you look at this, verse uh, 20, uh, the Lord says, Rejoice now over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And what we find is that justice is served. You know, some people will say, well, how can you rejoice over a city being destroyed? Well, it's because that city was responsible for slavery, human trafficking, prostitution. And, you know, one of the things that we see is interesting is we're going to see that God is going to take this city and he's going to say it's like a millstone that you throw into the sea. Now, where have you heard that before? When Jesus talked about how if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for you to take a millstone and tie it around your neck and cast yourself into the sea. Why is he probably saying that? Why is he making that connection? More than likely because, and it's just heartbreaking to think of, but when we talk about pornography, we talk about slavery, we talk about human trafficking, we talk about the children. Because that is the agenda of the devil. And so when you see the city go down, yeah, the merchants and the monarchs and the mariners are wailing, but the saints and the apostles and the prophets are rejoicing because they see, we see all the evil, the horrible evil they have done. And not just, you know, we look and even today we see everything going on and you know, all the abortions and all the things that take place. And our hearts are like, Lord, how long? But in his perfect timing, David Guzik again said, we rejoice in the righteous resolution God's judgment brings. And so we read in verse 21, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. Thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Now watch how, how often you read the words anymore, anymore. The second, the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. That was how they made the wine. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants, and God always gives the reasons, were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. And what we find is God, you know, people think, oh, it's just going to carry on. I'm going to party. You know, I got my good music. We're going to have a good time marrying and giving in marriage. And God says, no, not anymore. The day will come. Commercial Babylon will fall violently. David Guzik said, this is a reminiscent of Jeremiah's instruction to Sarah to bind a stone to a text of Jeremiah and cast it into the Euphrates. Thus Babylon shall sink and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Celebrations will cease. Music will cease. Marriage will cease. Just think, they'll never experience that ever again. 
And when we go to heaven, think about the music that's going to be there, all the marriage supper of the Lamb, all the celebration, all the joy. They'll never experience that ever again. Construction will cease. The end is at hand. You know, one of the things that we see right here, another reason for this is because of uh, their sorcery. We read here at the end of verse 23, for your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. Now that Greek word, you guys know, huh? It's pharmakia. We get our word pharmacy from it. And it's just talking about all the drugs, all the crystal meth, all the things that we see today that the enemy is using in so many ways. What the, what the drug use does is it opens doors to demons. And sometimes it's evident. Other times, you know, it's, it's almost like a subtle thing, but the enemy is having his way with his people. You know, what we find right here is that God is just saying to us, listen, you know, come out of that place, Babylon, man. Make sure that you have your riches in heaven. I don't know if any of you here ever invest in stocks or, or, or things like that, but you would never invest into something that you knew was going to plunge. You would never invest into something you knew where you were going to lose everything, would you? I mean, if you did, you'd be a fool. But if you invest in something that you knew for sure was a guarantee, payback, reward, something that would bring God glory, that, that's, I think, where God is just saying, in light of all these things, lay up your treasures in heaven. And it's not just about giving to God, although I think that's part of it. I think it's about just living for God. You know, because this world that we live in, that we're so impressed with, we're so caught up in, it's all going to burn. It really is. Next week, Lord willing, we get into 19, 20, 20. Oh, man, it's just going to be so cool. We know at the end who wins. It's Jesus. Things are happening so fast right now. You know, oh, man, you guys. Um, like Mike McIntosh said, he said, gentlemen, start your engines because the end of the world is at hand. <laughs> now, again, I don't know. Um, maybe it's another thousand years. Uh, we don't know. No one knows the day or the hour, but it sure seems like things are lining up in, in Iran and Russia and Israel and America. And so, you guys, um, my prayer is that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't already know him, that today would be the day you know he's knocking on your heart and you would say, yes, Jesus, come in. And then as a Christian, you know, don't hold back, you guys. Let's, uh, let's follow him 